Listening Dog Media. Rocket with Kieran Bracken, the rugby podcast that doesn't take itself too seriously. Welcome to Rocket with me, Kieran Bracken, the host. Uh, this week we're talking to the very proud father, Ryan Redpath, uh, 60 cats for his country who had the proud uh, honour of uh, watching his son have a storming game against England in their famous win in this situation. And here's the full chat with Brian Rip. Rocket with Kieran Bracken. Hey, there he is. Hey, how you doing, Brian? Great to, great to see you, my man. Shit. How are you? I'm, it's, uh, it's brilliant to, uh, to have you on Rocket. Uh, I normally yeah. do it with Nick Easter, but uh, I'm, I'm on my lonesome and... We were just talking last week. I had a we had a great uh, chat with uh, Chicky Chalmers, uh, Craig Chalmers about Scotland. We had a bit of a bet on the game, but um, when I was when I was uh, watching the game, thinking about who we could have on this week, and I said to Matt, I said, "I tell you what, it would be awesome, absolutely awesome to get to get the you know the maker of the star of the show in in." <laughs> so listen, th- thanks for coming coming uh, on. Um, you know, obviously, I want to talk about your career and you know post rugby and those sort of things. But you know, I think the, the best thing to talk about really is the, the most incredible uh, debut, um, probably in the history of of Scottish rugby. And coupled with that, I just wanted to get to, to know what it what it felt like for you. I've got three boys, and um, they're all coming up through the ranks. Um, I, I'm making them all scrum halves because that's all I know. So I'm just intrigued as to you know so. Congratulations! Must have felt great. I mean, interesting. Craig Chalmers wasn't the most successful rugby player in his family because his sister played for Scotland, I think, sixty odd times. Um, but so potentially in your family, you're no longer may not be the best rugby player in your family. So what what was that moment like? Just you know, seeing that, seeing him put on the shirt, and that's the heart. That's the almost the easy part, getting selected, but actually delivering on the international stage against probably the second best team in the world, got to a World Cup final, <clears throat> so much pressure. Just just tell me what that was like for you as a dad. Yeah, I mean, obviously, thanks for uh, for inviting me on and, and and delight to be here. I think the big thing for me was just, you know, Cam's had decisions to make along the way a little bit, um, whether it's Scotland, England. You know, Eddie took him on that tour in 2018. Clearly wasn't ready for that kind of level of rugby and he got exposed to some of the Six Nations training and everything. But, you know, ultimately it's just underlying pride. You know, I was I was delighted for him. He, you know, it took him a bit of time to make a decision. I genuinely thought in November when he said no to Gregor that he was he was virtually saying then to England, you know, you know, I've played the last three years for age group stuff. I thought, oh, that's just where I want to go. But it never seemed to come. And then obviously he knew that Eddie wasn't going to pick him in this 28 and potentially the backup squad. He picked eight other centres in the last 12 months in front of him. And he said, how many times can I say no to an international opportunity with Gregor? And the way Gregor and Hoggy and people like that approached him, it was about, well, you know, it seems right. It just seems right how Gregor wants me to play is how I've played all my life. And wants me to improve and the things that I've already done. And um, for us as a family to be sat at home, obviously, is hard watching it, but just hu- hugely proud that the way he conducted himself, uh, 
and and the way he's gone about his decisions really. And like like you're being, you know, whatever level your kids play at, there's always an element of pride, whether that's athletics, cricket, golf, football, rugby. You know, there's always a huge amount of pride attached. So it was a it yeah. was a very nervous morning. There's no question. You must you must have been absolutely shitting yourself more than when you were playing. I will talk to you about your you know your own career, but I mean, what I found is like you're completely right. I mean, you know, let's just look at Eddie Jones and the sort of centres he likes to pick. You know, it probably isn't in the mould of 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 Cameron Redpath's sort of style of play. He's always tends to go for the sort of the big bustling Manu Tuilangi, you know, you you notice uh, Ollie Lawrence who interesting played alongside Cameron and and you're right, it would have probably been potentially years for him to then play for England. But but like you say, the match was so good. When when I saw the selection, I have to say I thought bloody hell, that is that is a really ballsy call from Gregor Townsend. And when I was picking my Guinness Fantasy 15, I had him in there. And then I was like, oh, first game against England. Jesus. <laughs> I was like, God. I mean, I actually had a bet with uh, Craig Chalmers that at half time, uh, Scotland would be winning. But in extra t- in, in the second half, England would come back and kick the points, play boring rugby, squeeze the life out of them, win the game. But but and I actually got a bet with I actually bet with 365 and I won. 30 quid they're trying to get me to cash out but i owe <laughs> i owe craig chalmers uh five quid because he said that scotland could do it and actually if there was ever a time that scotland could do it it was this with the 38 38 a couple of years ago running them close and they've always you know scotland have been the team where they now seem to have got matching with their forwards and the backs but with cameron what i just noticed was really interesting he did a line out over the top <clears throat> and instead of throwing it to you know you've got Big wingers, you've got big centres. You know, you set, you they threw it over to Cameron Redpath. I thought, Jesus, my God, what thought? And the and the fact that he made that early break in the twenty-two, and then he offloaded, and then he just got his way into the game. But actually, Gregor Townsend was like, "We are going to use this guy as a playmaker, as a line breaker, and we're going to use to play to his strengths." And actually, when you think about it, it's now look, and we talk about England. It's what England need. But England will never get that opportunity anymore because Cameron is he set his stall out and uh, it's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, go, go, going going back to some of the early parts there, Cam fell in the first six games of the Premiership. He was going, which twelve has played better than me in the Premiership? Yeah, Piers O'Connor was the only twelve. Yeah, but he still picked, um, you know, Piers Francis, Ollie Devoto, Owen Farrell, Matthew Lange, Ollie Lawrence. Uh, Fraser Ding was in the training squad. Uh, Marchment was in the training squad. Jamie jo- Johnson Joseph. So there's eight people that he yeah. felt are they playing better than me? No. And he didn't think they were. And he says, "Well, just because the reputation says so, fine, I get it. Okay, I understand my place. I'm fifth choice centre because Owen Farrell plays in there as well. Yeah, Cam's, Cam was the second heaviest, heaviest back c- compared to uh, all the England players. He's 96 kilograms. Wow." Ollie Lawrence is 100. He was the only player in the English back division heavier than Cam. Now, that's what, just because he looks, he's got a really big, broad shoulders. Wow. He's, he's narrow. Yeah, just, but he's 96 really kilograms. And that's what I can't, I, I saw another article with it. And um, he's probably one of the strongest backs in the Scotland squad. He's the strongest in the whole Bath squad in his legs. Wow. And I'm going, what, what's That's not you. That's not you. That's not that, from that's you. What, <laughs> exactly. I was strong upper body. He was like, so I understand some of the things, but 
he's one of the best jacklers in the league. Yeah. Compared yeah. to all of the twelves and thirty, all of the backs, Cam's yeah. probably got the most jackals out of all the backs in the Premiership. And he's still only just on 21. So his natural ability is that. And he's a physical kid, but he's not yeah. physical and I'm going to run straight into you. He's not that kind of player. No, he's not. And I, I I'm think amazed. Were... I'm going to stop you there. I'm amazed, right? I'm, I'm, I'm blown away at the moment, right? Okay, I'm sorry. I'm blown away, right? Because when now you said that about his weight and his strength, I, I just saw him as this guile player who was really light on his feet and he was sort of like making outside breaks. He was like a Slade type player. But actually, when you say it about his strength and his power and his jackling, you know, I, I don't see that. I don't know why, because I just see this tall, slender, yeah, sort of but, Jerry Guscott type player. Yeah, and he is, he is the kind of Nazi. He is the opposite, but he isn't. He is, very, he is a very, he's not a traffic runner. But he can run in traffic, and that's where he was always kind of. He couldn't understand it. Him and Ollie Lawrence played twelve and thirteen because Ollie, as a thirteen, is probably one of the best in the league, and is similar to Tuolangi as a thirteen. Played all his career there. Played all his age group stuff with Cam there. Cam was more of a second receiver. Can play ten. Has played four games for three games for Bath this year at thirteen because he's he's quick. He still runs some of the quickest speed times in the Bath team. Wow. But it doesn't look quick because he's six foot two and, and yeah. is it, but he is it's just a strange one. And I saw Stephen Jones's comments in the weekend as well about Cam being, you know, for the smaller men. And I'm like, there was like Maitland van der Merve at a hundred kilograms, and then there's Chris Harris and Cam on at 96, 98. Wow. And like, and I'm going, I know he's not we because I've I've trained with him all my life. I know what he's like physically. So I think the England thing back to that point as well. Kieran was, I think he, he just felt that Eddie just didn't have faith in him, but he had faith in him to pick him three years ago when he was only 85 kilograms, 86, yeah. at school, yeah. going to South Africa. And both of you and I know that going there on a tour, oh. it's not something you want to be a little bit, you know, sort of fresh around the ears at because you need to be physical and you need to understand how to erase physicality against them. But then suddenly, three years on, he felt he was playing well enough to get a, a sniff. Mm. And ultimately, Gregor asked him last Six Nations, asked him in November again, and he said in November, he said to him, Cam, I'll start you against Wales and Georgia, 100%. I'll give him wow. a run. And wow. he said, Gregor, no, I'm going to knock you back. He said, uh, I've, I've been at Bath for nine games and 10 games against uh, Exeter in the semis. But... I don't feel that I'm right yet. I need to cement my position in front and trust Matt Tracy. Once I've done that, then I think you're picking me for the right reasons. And that's how he came about it. And I was like, fair play. And then how many times do you say no? You look at the great players that's been, or great players that haven't played much for England because of the talent they have. Yeah. And all the names I mentioned earlier are great players and all in in, in, in a sink or better than Cameron. So he's just, yeah. oh, I have I mean, to play. Got- I want to play. You've got the similar sort of scenario. That's all right. We don't mind a dog shouting. You got Zach Merce, you know, Zach Mercer um at uh at Bath, who's absolutely fantastic, and he's going to go off and play in, in France uh because he's not getting a look in. You got people like Don Brandt from uh, Quinns who are playing really, really well. And you'll have people like uh, Vunipola who just get picked, whatever happens. And so, you know, Eddie has 
a sort of style and a type of the player he wants. And if it doesn't fit in, then it's going to take you a long time. And I, I honestly think, genuinely think that if Cameron had basically stood by uh, of opting to play for England, I think it, you, it could have been five years and he might have got one cap. And I think now we're all looking at it. And, and, and the great thing is, actually, I think the player has always got to marry up with the coach, OK? So Eddie Jones has never picked that sort of player necessarily. And therefore, he's actually playing for a team, whether he, whether he, that was his first choice or not. In Gregor Townsend, with Finn Russell on his inside, with the style of rugby they're playing, it actually suits Cameron much, much better. And therefore, it's a much better sort of, you know, I know Clive Woodward would have his, his back row balance. He'd want it a certain way, his centre balance, he wanted a playmaker. And so it was, it was always like fitting in with that mould. And actually, I think the mould, I think it's the best decision that Cameron ever made. Go for it with Scotland. It suits, you know, the way they're building really nicely at the moment. It suits their coach. Um, and actually, it's the best choice he's ever made. And for you, it's probably, in a way, I know you went, you know, instrumental in saying do one thing or the other. You know, I'm, I'm sure deep down you were like, it would be great to, fa- to follow in the family tradition, but actually it couldn't have worked out any better, could it? No, I mean, again, when you sit down all the, put down all the pros and cons, and that's an old school way of looking at it, and you always think, go with your gut feel. What does your gut feel tell you? What makes you feel... And it's a really strange thing, you know, his, his conversations, what would be Cam, you know, he's led, he's captained a lot of the teams he's played for. He wants to be a big part of that. And, yeah. You know, that England environment is sometimes maybe doesn't allow that. And there's some great players, you know, the two Simmons brothers, the Don Brands, the Marcus Smiths that are knocking on the door that are not getting a sniff. Cipriani. Um, yeah. What, your Cipriani's, yeah, and your Zach Mercer's, your... You know, Rory McConaughey at, at Bath. Now, you know, yeah. he's played once for England. He'll never play again. Now that, <laughs> and he could have played for Scotland or Ireland. And you're like, that. it's just, you have to make your own decisions. And I think that was the big thing. He made his own decisions. He he understood what Gregor wanted for him. Um, he knows that he can offer many aspects of the game. And he will only get better and bigger around his chest. Because as I say, he's very broad and lean. But he's got really big legs and quads and, and big ass and stuff. So he's he's got all the weights there in the right places yeah. as you need to be. Yeah. And um so I think obviously delighted for him. Um it, it very, couldn't have it gone any better. Very and, proud. And and I guess also, you know, a certain Warren Gatland was in the uh in the stand as well, and he'd be looking for the lines. And look, I know it I know it's a bit premature, but let's just let's just like think about that. And there's always been this thing about Scotland like a, a lack of Scottish players getting on the Lions tournament. And sometimes it's down to the fact that um, either they're not good enough, but also sometimes, you know, a team go through a high and a low. And actually, I think the last Lions tour, there was a lot more English and then Welsh and Irish, yeah. and then the Scots were last. But, you know, if you know from your point of view and his point of view, there must be something in his mind because he, he's obviously got that belief. Because if he's talking about why won't Eddie pick me, uh, you know, he's thinking I'm, 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 I'm good enough. There's got to be a part of you watching that game going, shit, there's a Lions potentially at the end of this year. Because you, from your point of view, I know you played 60 tests, is that right, for, for yeah. Scotland? Actually, there's one stat I've got better than you. and you were, You're an absolute nightmare to play against, by the way. Uh, <laughs> but you've scored one try, yeah? France, you, yeah. That's not a great return, is it? In 10 no. years, <laughs> so I got 51 caps. And I scored three, but two of them were against, I think, Canada and someone. But I scored, only one was against Wales. Um, so so my record's slightly better than yours, maybe not in the caps. 
But I guess really, like going on a Lions tour, were you disappointed not to go on Lions tours? You know, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm probably very similar to you, Kieran. Um, I had a huge respect for you as a player and how you played. Um, I, I, sometimes I think maybe I just wasn't that X factor, X factor player. You know, I was I was a team player. I, I was all about how the team functioned for as long as we could. Um, try and get that link between backs and forwards that suited the games and the the teams that I played with. And yeah, I probably I couldn't do what maybe Doss could do or Rob Howley could do and Austin. You know, what I mean, and I had to just accept that. Later on, I definitely felt two thousand one. I felt I, I had I had enough tough edge of me or skill set to cope in that kind of environment and make the team function. I believe that in myself. But again, we had a poor Six Nations in 2001. Yeah. So I never got a chance. 2005, I was still playing at sale and playing pretty well. But I, I, I'd I, quit international rugby because I'd done like 10 years. So yeah, I don't have any regrets in it, Kieran. I think um, I, I don't think I was an X-Factor player that shone out enough. I was a team player that was very good in a team that played that kind of way um, and that's just me being I think you're doing a disservice you know I think you like you say it's peaks and troughs at the times that you get the chance but you know wouldn't it be amazing though you know that that if if, Cam, if Cameron did get on that plane yeah. or if it wasn't a plane if he was played at home it wouldn't wouldn't that be amazing you know it'd be um, absolutely awesome. it, and I think he he's not an arrogant boy um, no. but he's confident he's, he's I text him on Friday night things that we've gone over for 10 years <laughs> and I, I, oh, I text, I've got another text come on did you say <laughs> did you say early tackles do it what did you say yeah little bits of that but more of back your gut feeling Cam every single time you anything you've done he's run national 3k 800 400 you know and he's in his life he was West Brom Academy for two years wow. and I always said to him back your instinct because he's an exceptional athlete he, yeah. he was running about 10 10 50 3k cross country age 12 wow. he ran a, a 214 age 14 800 he ran a 60 second 400 at 14 so what he, all of that stuff and then he was at West Brom so I was I always said to him like back your gut instinct he'd been around rugby enough with me and watched yeah. it and he analysed all used to watch all the analysis I said but be decisive once you get anything and that was the biggest thing and all he texted me back was and obviously you go through that we're proud of you and all that stuff yeah. he just said dad it's my time. I'm ready. Oh, I love kiss, that. Kiss. Oh, I nothing love else. It. I love nothing got to make else. A movie. Got to make a movie about Honestly, it. Honestly, nothing I'm else. And then we had conversations on Sunday, and he, he's not a drinker. Um, he never has been. Yeah. But he obviously had a few beers on Saturday night, and you know, it's like everything, you have to be part of something. And yeah. the beers with Gregor and, and whatever, or Finn or Hoggy and other players. Yeah. And um, he, he, you know, he I spoke to him on Sunday because he, he doesn't like the Sundays, so he was going to do get a sweat on, and then he said, uh, "You know, Dad, that, I need to kick on now because there is some big oh, things in the horizon." And I was like, well, "Back in my sister, mate, look, I'm ready. I'm, you, I'm loving you, it. I'm so sorry. That's all I, I mean, honestly, it's that's all I've seen. And uh, and then he knows that the lines chatting, but he knows that he's got he has to back up big games. There's other players with far more. Will they move Farrell to twelve? Will they yeah. do all these things that they have in the past for the Lions' point of view? And as Camel got that, that, you know, I, I would back myself in any environment. Yeah. I know that's a different level playing Lions. Yeah. But again, I'd I, I, I back myself. I think there's not many 12s do what I can do. Because yeah. as I say, he's a, 
in Bath, he's one of the defensive leaders. He's one of the jacklers. He's yeah. he's a license to jackal anywhere, and that, that that's rare for a twelve in the league. As I say, who, who else in the league does that yeah. to his level? And getting one against Tom Curry at the weekend, which was his old mate from the same <laughs> days, pleased <laughs> him, and I could see him shouting at, at Tom's in the face. But yeah, it would be amazing, obviously. Oh, mate. It, it, it we we both know. But what like, what does this mean for Scotland now at the moment? I mean, thirty eight years that's a long that's a long time to wait. Did, did you ever beat Did you ever beat England at home? No, just you know? no, no. I was involved. I was on the bench in two thousand actually, and I I didn't even celebrate. You know, I was that pissed off because I'd been through ninety five Grand Slam, which you're, you're aware of. Ninety six yeah. Grand Slam, which you're aware of. Yeah. Ninety nine, I, I smashed my ankle, so I missed it, and obviously done really well down there. Yeah. Um, 2000 I was on the bench when Duncan Hodge scored all the points and never got on because Andy was captain Yeah. and then obviously I came back into the scene and, and, and when England were at their best in the early 2000s Yeah. and against us they beat us comfortably you know and yeah. I had to just accept that we were just a little bit off whereas now I see if I put man for man down on the team sheet in the weekend or a man for man and recent performances yeah. I felt Scotland had a chance. I, I only thought there was two or three England players that are world-class, the likes of Otoji and Farrell, I thought, yeah. would step up. But everybody else, I felt, we've got a chance. There's nothing yeah, in their I mean, team that sticks yeah. out. I mean, five players from Saracens are not playing you know, at all yeah. since Six Nations. But also, the reason why I, I, I actually put a, a proper bet, and I'll prove it to you, I put a proper bet on Scotland winning by half-time, was because they had five players and hadn't played, because, um, you know, there was sort of like uncertainty at 10. There's always uncertainty with England, 10, 12, 13, who's going to play. But also they had a couple of extra weeks in training and they could only have 28 players. And the fact that he stuck with all of those players who hadn't played very well for quite a long time, you know, Benny Vanapola hasn't played well for yeah. a few years. Yeah, I had this sense with Scotland, okay, you know, maybe not doing brilliantly, you know, Pro 14 and everything, but actually... You know, for, from their point of view, they they had players who were in form, you know, uh, the Greys and the the, the Hogs yeah. and those sort of people. And I kind of thought this is their chance and there's no crowds. <laughs> I mean, let's face it, yeah. they nearly blew it. I mean, they like Scotland, they, you know, they should have scored. It was the probably the, the most outplayed I've ever seen England in yeah. the Nations with the lowest score margin. It should have been 20-odd points. Yeah, yeah. Crossfield, should, you know, should have gone to hand. You know, we missed two, you missed two, two kicks. So actually, I think the scoreline flattered England massively. You know, it looked like a close game, but it wasn't a close game. It was an absolute battering for England not to have any line breaks in the whole game, first time in eight years or something like that. And to give your centres the ball in 63 minutes. Yeah. Thoughts myself, you know. Yeah, but from Scotland, let's not take away from Scotland, all right? Yeah. It was an unbelievable performance from their point of view and it's probably what just at the right time that they needed it. Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, I've done some paper and media stuff prior to the game and my, my big thing was we need every player to play well, just but for, for 80 minutes. And, and I think they did. I thought the scrum was good. Yeah. England had both the first team props off, you know, the first yeah. choice props off. But Zan. The Ferguson, Rory Siller, 25-24, are very good competitive young lads. So that was always going to be a, a, a content, you know, a fought area. Piers de Villiers has come in and, and done the scrum and he's he's changed a little few things. And, you know, that's a good thing for Gregor. And people are underestimate how much Gregor's had to endure since the 2019 defeat, not making the quarters. Yeah. 
He's changed all his coaching staff. He's changed some of his thought processes with the players. He's allowed them to grow and grow into senior leaders within the team. So a lot of credit goes to him. But I think on general terms, they were man for man, they were better than England. As I no, say, I think I've told you. I and think I told you he came out of it well because he charged down three kicks and he's a nuisance, but that's yeah. what he's always going to be. Yeah. And it was it was good to see before we talk about England. I mean, yeah, it was uh, it was really good to see but, in Russell. Sorry, Kim, did, yeah, but the kicking for the back three players was vital as well. Yes. It picked two players that are six foot plus yeah. and chase kicks well. Yes. And Watson hasn't defended kicks well for Bath this year. Yeah. Yeah, and and Johnny May's not really set the light on fire. No. So, and Daly's not played. So you've got to say, well, that back three are going to get peppered. It's pissing rain. Yeah. So let's have a let's have a kick off ten, kick yeah. off nine, and kick off fifteen. So we've got the edges. We'll kick. If not, we'll kick off half fields as well. Whereas England kicked off touch lines. So you always had a winger and a full back yeah, there. Exactly. Yeah. We kicked off half fields, so the wingers are only sitting half the way up. Yeah. Exactly. So I was saying, Daly, where are you going to go? And then it was. I think that's where I felt that Scotland sort of won the tactical battle. No, hundred percent. And and if you don't mind me just getting your opinion on England, we don't want to like slam England. Like really, no, not at all. paper reports. You know, obviously Eddie Jones is in for a bit of stick, but it's been on the cards for some time since the the last time they played well. I think was probably the the World Cup semi final, and since then they stuttered yeah. through. But Unfortunately for England, they've won things. So they won the Six Nations, they won the Autumn Cup. I know they played France in the playoff, but it was against yeah. the third, third 15. But, that you know, trophies count, don't they? And he's got a great record, Eddie Jones. But I do feel kind of now he's under a lot of criticism. I kind of feel he's picked the wrong players. He's picked players that he's used to picking in the past. But more so, he has not advanced the style of rugby in the plan B. And if you've got Ferraris in your back three, if you've got Daly, May, if you've got Watson, those sort of players, you know, don't keep them in the garage. Don't play a game which revolves around kicking and all of that. And, and so now that, and I'm interested to get your feel about uh, Owen Farrell as, as captain. You've been there as captain and know what it's like. There's a call for him to be replaced as captain or even be dropped. I think that's wrong. I think maybe Ford should come in, Farrell at 12. Um, you know, I think his leadership is questioned. But I think the biggest problem really is above him. It's actually Eddie Jones not advancing this team like he should do as this super coach because he knows everything about rugby. Yeah, I mean, I, there was a highlight. We're going to play a new breed of game. We're going to change our attacking game we've been working on for, for two weeks. So we're going to see a different... We're here to entertain. We're going to... And again, every time a coach talks about overpowering, and I know that for myself, when you say we're going to... You know, it's like a smash and grab. We're going to be so powerful. Can they live with us in the last 20 minutes? But the game isn't like that all the time. And I think it's gone away from it because defences are so well organised. And if you don't have huge success carrying ball, but if, you, if you're only carrying through the pack, what happens? And once you stop that threat, which Scotland did, they didn't have a game to go to anywhere else because there's never been a balance of Funapola carries, Ollie Long's carries. Napola carries, Slade carries. There's never any of that sort of combination. And that's where I think if you it doesn't matter about size. If you carry or first phase, you can throw at the tail and carry or throw over the tail like Scotland. You can bring them into the game really easily, even yeah. in horrendous conditions. If you've trained like that, and go back to your point, Eddie Jones is a smart coach. You've been around him for a heck of a long time, from the Saris days in yeah. the 90s to all the years now. So 
for me, he's just relied on power and power is getting caught out because teams can now really smash people doubling up tackles and chopping them straight away. If you've got jacklers like Richie Watson in your team, George Turner, suddenly you've got three jacklers that are in and around the ruck area. Yeah. That well, that's going to then Scotland took Tom Curry never got a jackal. That's amazing. Listen, I like, listen. I like, so, I like you say that. I play like play away, that. play two passes away, play a little bit further away from it, or go one phase bank and make it different. Get in behind quicker rather than and using that, bulk. And and when we played Scotland in our era, when I think about when we played against you. I think in the olden days before me with the Will Carley days, it was just much more about strangling the light out, out, out of everyone, irrelevant of us being able to, uh, you know, pass a ball. You know, the joke was that, you know, Rob Banjo had never met Will Carling and Jerry Gussie. Yeah, 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 yeah. They would just no. literally kick everything and they'd squeeze the life and it worked. And I think Eddie Jones, to some extent, has gone back to that. But I think their default mechanism is always, always kick first. And actually, statistically, you know, kicking does work. You know, it puts pressure on you. But like you say, if you get any sort of parity in a set piece, if you if you're able to kick back and you're able to jack and you're able to do the, and then you have a bit of X factor like you had, suddenly it becomes parity. But again, since the South Africa final, yeah, many many teams in the Premiership in the Northern Hemisphere have thought that's the way how to win. But any team that gets parity against a power team. Where can they go? You know, that's why New Zealand have been so good in the, all, all the years of gone, we'll match you up front, but we'll actually beat you on kick return and we'll beat you on the, the you know, the restart mentality or how we were playing yeah. the game, who we kick from. We, we still fall into it. Scotland just don't have the power sometimes to keep that level of physicality up and maintain that every single game. And that's where... Now, that's the hard part of it, Kieran. We know that England are an exceptional team with exceptional players, but they must have, there's many ways to skin a cat. Yeah. And if you get caught on one of them, and that's the only way, now the conditions force that hand, England won't play as bad again. Sure they won't. They've got Italy this weekend. It's not a true reflection, potentially against Italy, sadly. I, I think it's, it's the way the game is, you know, nice kicking non-stop. Um, you know, yeah. that, that sometimes for me is... Like you know, cringe because we're 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 promoting a game that isn't necessarily enjoyable to watch. And, no, I find it. You know, I have to just say, get the thing sped up a little bit. Yeah, since, since since the semi-final, I have to say I've just got so bored of watching them. And and Clive Woodward, one thing he's talked about is England need to look at their attack massively. And I think it's something that they've they've just ignored for so long and relied on power, relied on kicking. But I think England are going to be in, unless they make changes like you've talked about, I think they're going to be in for a really tough Six Nations, this Six Nations. I think, you know, we could talk about the other nations. Look, France look very exciting, don't mm. they? You know, I mean, I think Wales stuttered to get that win. I don't think they're, you know, anywhere near what they could be. No. But actually, I mean, if anything, it's going to be between probably, well, it, you know, unfortunately, England have a habit of of sort of winning, you know, sort of games against, say, maybe Wales or Ireland, but they might struggle against France. But Scotland are in it now. Uh, France are looking really good. Italy perhaps should be, you know, it's not really worth having those matches anymore. But where do you see the the threats now from Scotland? So Scotland playing against Wales, who've got they've got so many injuries. They've got Lydia, they've got George North, yeah. John Davies, Thomas Williams. I know they've got Liam Williams coming back. But I don't think there's many injuries in the Scotland camp. So that game, you know, Scotland against Wales, they've got to back it up now, haven't they, against Wales? 
Yeah, and it'll be a total different challenge because Wales will attack them through a total different area. Wales will, Dan Bigger will have a go. George North, if he's playing, will have a go. Liam Williams will want a crack. And yeah. you have to be disciplined. Lee Halfpenny will kick his goals. The set piece will be different because they'll have peels off line outs. They'll have quick throws. They'll, they'll, they'll try and take Scotland on in a lot of, the very mirror each other a little bit. Yeah. Scotland are going to have to try and replicate the same, but they will play more, I think, because the nature of the game. But, you know, I, I think with Wales having a few knocks and, as you say, some confidence issues maybe to really see out a game and if Scotland carry on and, and get the tempo right, and Gregor mentioned it after the game, the first half against Ireland was very good and the second half was terrible. They just have to replicate that first half for longer. Saturday, they'd done it for 80 minutes. The subs that came on, I thought really? were outstanding. Uh, which were getting questioned pre-match to say, well, the England bench is that good. And Clive said, it's not the bench that we should be focusing on. They should be focusing on the starting team. Are they that good that they're going to win? Not the bench to come on. So, so what about, I think that'll what about, be... So, I think Scotland will beat Wales, but what about Ireland, though? I mean, you know, Ireland have always been a tricky customer for Scotland, haven't mm. they? <clears throat> yeah, and I think they will be again. And uh, There's no question, I think. You know, they dug in at the weekend and, and generally 14 men is between 7 and 10 points that you lose. Yeah, They played 14 men for 65 minutes. So it was, do you know what I mean? It was a hell of a shift they put in and they were still in the game. They were still in the opportunities, you know, even with that last penalty that, that Billy yeah. Burns missed. They still could have come back and, and got right in the game with that, you know, a try and score and kick a conversion. So I think Ireland are always going to be dangerous. Scotland Scott, have got them at Scott, home. Scotland so this is the year, yeah. This is Scotland the year that you want. Oh, jeez, um, it's isn't a mad it one because great go, go, to, to see a French team the way they're playing, isn't oh, it? Again, look, I mean. look at all of them. You know, I, I, again, I know that from strangely some one of the guys that we used to play against, Fabian Galtier. I still yeah. talk to Fabian, so spoke to him on Saturday night. He sent me a message saying congratulations to Cameron, which is really nice and. Right. I know that they have focused massively on fitness and tempo of the game because they've now got half-backs, back three players that are wanting the ball. They have to have tempo in their game, so yeah. they have to play with some pace and they've got their pack fit because generally the front five get tired, then you get some mismatches, you get some ill-discipline, they fall off the wrong side, you can pick up 12 points easy. I yeah. don't think that's the case anymore. I think going through the 20s age levels that I've watched over the last 33 years with Cameron's involvement. Yeah. France have been one of the best sides. They played them in Exeter and won. They played them across there with Intermark and Kerr. was playing 12 and Carbonell was at, uh, at 10, the Toulon 10. So they have got a great group coming through and I think they've integrated them in the last two years pretty well. And now the Dupont of the world are, yeah. you know, he's just having a field day. You know, that inside line that is available for players now is amazing. And he, he seems to be there all the time. So they'll be dangerous. It's, it's these ex-international players sort of producing this stock though, isn't it? You know what <laughs> yeah, I, mean? I know. At least you can it's... take credit for something, you know, which is <laughs> No, no, there's only one thing. There's, you always know your mother. You can never really say who your father is. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Okay, so so like my last question really, it's, it's, it's a bit left field. But, um, okay, so if you were to treasure one shirt that you ever played in, that you had? What what shirt would that be? Well, you know, whether it's a World Cup or whether it's your first cap or last cap. Or if you if someone said to, said to you, 
you're gonna you get you you can only keep one shirt, you give the rest of them away. I'll tell you why I've got a backstory to it about my shirts, but what's what would it what shirt would it be in which game? I, I would say two games. Okay. Uh, one of them, 2002, beating South Africa. We'd not, we hadn't beaten them in 33 years. Um, and we beat them at Murrayfield 21-6. Right. Um, and I was captain that day. So that's always a special day, just because of the history attached to it. 1995, when Gavin scored under the post. Oh, yeah. Uh, we hadn't won in 25 years, 26 years there. And uh, that was the early on in my career. And that, that was a special day. And, you know, 90, that, that 90, side of it. What did you say, 95? And that that was that was ninety five and Gavin scored under the post, yeah. And Greg had his little flick. I, I didn't So we beat we beat France that year and then we played England obviously in the Grand Slam decided it. That's right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. And you came on for, for Dowie. No, I, I played the whole game for Dowie. I played the Dowie whole came game. on for you. Did he? You got a cat, I think, and you went on. He came on for you for about 10 or 6, 10 minutes, whatever, when you got stitched. No, I'm sure no, you no, cut. No, 95, 95, um, I started all the Six Nations games. Yeah, no, you started it, but I'm sure you got a cut in the game. Did I? Is that you? No, no. And the Dowie came on and he said to me, all right, Brush, I'll see you for a gin and tonic in the bar later. Oh, and then really? put the ball in at the scrum. And I was like that, just to put it in. And I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> Those are good days. Put me right off, but yeah, got, so they, they'd be my two games. Brilliant. Okay, games. so let me tell you mine. So there's a backstory to that. Um, I know, I know, you've been involved in coaching Leeds, Carnegie, and I'm interested to see what you're doing now. Um, I know you were sale and Gloucester and stuff, but I, I coach at Wanstead, which is a great little club in North London. Some great guys in there. And one of the things that um, I did was I, I've got a bag full of, of shirts. Okay. <clears throat> And there's loads of them, like you would have loads in your loft. And um, <clears throat> what I did was I, I brought three shirts to Wanstead Rugby Club. And the re- and the three shirts, one was a Barbarian shirt, okay? And I brought that so that if anyone was very skillful in a game or in training, they would wear my Barbarian shirt for the next <laughs> Brilliant. Right? So the next one is anyone who shows some real skill. So real skill, like... Then I will I will give them an all black shirt that I played in, right? And then the other one was I had a, a, a Canada shirt, and that was for the best defender and the biggest hitter because that's what Canada generally did. Yeah, yeah. So I, I give out these shirts, okay? And um, basically, what happens was every week someone else is wearing it, passes on to the next one, they wash it, passes on to the next one. So with lockdown. <laughs> Uh, the shirts were given in to the, the captain. And uh, so he took them home. Guess what happened? So he takes them home and his wife basically <laughs> um, gets a load of uh, clothes to give to charity, right? Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. So, so they put them all in all these bags and obviously the, the kit was on the side in a little bag. So she put them in the bag. <clears throat> So the bag went to Oxfam or whatever, or went to Africa or whatever. So the next training session, uh, there were no shirts. I was like, Nick, where's the shirt? He's like, I've got something really embarrassing to tell you. (laughs) So he's absolutely mortified, right? So if if there's anyone out there who sees a New Zealand shirt, (laughs) uh, a shirt, and a, a, a sort of a Canada shirt, that we need them back. Otherwise... Nick is going. He's, he's, he's very embarrassed. He's very embarrassed. But I've lost my. So they're not my three favorite shirts. But I just thought I'd tell the story. That's a good day. Yeah. 
But what are you doing at the moment? I know you coach, so what, what are you doing? At yeah, the so I left coaching in uh, 2017, 2018, um, and I went to work with a foreign exchange company. And uh, in 2019, I got involved with a, a guy called Stuart Holmes, who's the CEO of this Elite FX. And ultimately, we look after global sports men and women, all different sports that have any repatriation of funds get moved internationally. Yeah. Um, and we help them get the best rates, the best hedging strategies. So the IPL cricketers, the rugby players playing in France, the right. boys the boys playing in the, the Big Bash, the boys playing in the T10 in Dubai, the golfers that get paid from their commercial sponsors, how they get their money back into the country at the best rates ultimately. Now, sport doesn't necessarily make us money, a huge amount of money, because you know in the currency world, you have to transfer lots to make money. Yeah. But we're we're it's the best thing for me because I'm talking to multi sports people all the time that have the same feelings and trying to like you've got the players going to Japan that the Greg Laidlers and have the parks of the world that are the older generation they're like well I need to save this amount because my first twelve months after yeah. playing I don't know what I'm going to do yeah. but they've got an amount of money that they've sent home every quarter that we've got the best rates for that saves them a bit and you know the rates at the moment for the boys in Japan is it was at one thirty five, so at one forty four. So they're virtually ten cents in the money every pound they send. So they're going, they locked in for two years. You see, so they protect that rate for two years. They don't have to worry about it. And that, that's how it's it's been for a lot of other sports guys. And for me, I got a chance to be involved in it and, and do a business mindset and change my whole life and. Right. I get a chance to watch the children grow up. I've got an 18 year old boy that's at Newcastle that was picked in the 20 squad. Really? He's a scrum half. Yeah. Oh, so, shit, man. That's so that. In, so you got in two. July. I've got three, but, though, you see. I said to them, look, I mean, it's it's dog eat dog, you know, but uh, they're all. <laughs> yeah. I think one of them might be a fly half and the other's uh, scrum half, definitely. Well, it's funny because Gregor's son is in the 20 squad as well, Christian, wow. and he's a 10. and We've had a little joke that 2027, it could be my youngest one, Murray, then uh, Gregor's son, Christian, and then Cameron all playing in the same oh, team. So amazing, amazing. Uh, that would be wonderful. But now, look, I'm, I'm, well, listen, I'm happy. Listen, you might be against some of my kids, so let's uh, yeah. let's see what happens. <laughs> well, we can have a good party if it is. <laughs> exactly. Listen, it's been really entertaining. I've loved having you on. Uh, what a great uh, insight into what it's like to be a dad, but also be a former player. Send our best to Cameron. We, you know, Thank England, you. Um, you know, we, we, we missed out on a, on a great talent. And I hope he gets on the Lions. More Scots deserve to be there. I'd love to see Hogg as captain. Everyone's talking about Maratoji and talking about Owen Farrell or whatever. I'd love to see Stuart Hogg as captain. I think he'd be a great captain. Uh, congratulations. And uh, really, thanks for your time. And if I'm doing any trades there from Euros to... to yeah. Yeah, do, euros, pounds, any. I'll yeah. get, I'll get in touch with you. I use uh, another company, but I'll, I'll get in touch with you. Hundred percent. Great yeah, stuff. Well, that'd be wonderful. And look, thanks for having me on. No, a legend of a player, a legend of a person. Thank you. Cheers, buddy. Bye. Thanks to Brian Redpath for that fantastic interview on Rocket. Join us next week where we'll have another guest talking all things Six Nations.